1: Welcome back. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Jamie D and Big Newt. I'm Jamie D'Amico. He's Big Chris Newton. And we come at you every week during the football season talking all things Buffalo Bills. My man, Big Newt, I hear you've been making some left turns.
2: I did, man. I did. I did, man. had a good time this weekend. Did a NASCAR race series here in Richmond. Um, first time I ever did anything like that. We had a great experience. Check me out on Twitter at big Newt uh, at, uh, big underscore Newt. I put some pictures up, got a chance to chop it up with Bubba Wallace. Oh, that was pretty cool. Uh, big star. Yeah. 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 He was here all week and he threw a block party while they came. It was pretty good, man. So, uh, saw, uh, Kyle Busch. I didn't realize how small they were, man. Kyle Bush. I was like, Jalen's bigger than him. You know,
1: Jalen's bigger than a lot of grown
2: men. Well, I mean like height, you know, Jalen's <laughs> only
1: five, four.
2: I mean, he's not tall at all, but he's bigger. Yes. Bigger as a bigger person, but, um, but yeah, man, got to go uh, see how they, you know, warm up and get everything situated in the garage. Um, I didn't realize it's, it's so much about NASCAR. I didn't realize, um, First of all, it was a lot of minorities a part of the process, which I didn't I didn't know until I was educated this weekend. Um, it's four minority owners, the most out of any professional league, uh, which no I, I like because I like diversity. Michael Jordan has a race team, Brad Doherty, uh, Floyd May- Mayweather has Money Team Racing, and then John Cohen has New York Racing. So they they have minority owners, and you know I love diversification. So. Um, from that standpoint, I support it. But, yeah, it was cool. Um, we got to talk to the engineers, because I'm thinking it's just all mechanics, and I didn't realize how much goes into people racing, you know. So we got mm-hmm. to talk to engineers, how they did the diagnostics and stuff for the cars the day before. Um, and then, uh, yeah, all the behind-the-scenes stuff, because we got to go actually on the track. And, uh, I mean, I'm telling you, man, this is exhilarating just to see the vibrations and how fast they go. So it is like a, a adrenaline rush.
1: I and hear then, it's incredibly loud and smelly.
2: Yes. Yeah? It is. It is. Uh, my wife actually got kind of sick. That's why we didn't stay long on Saturday. Because like I said, we were in garages. And as they started, the cars up and started wheeling them out, I think she got too much exhausted. Yeah, she got to feel queasy. So we left after about three or four hours.
1: I went to a classic car show in Lake George last year, which is my father-in-law's absolute favorite thing to do. He's gone 27 years in a row. And... (laughs) basically we got manipulated into going. He's like, please, before I die, come with me. And I'm like, yeah, you know what? We'll go this year. And my wife just like threw me the, the darts with her eyes. And I'm like, what? (laughs) She's like, don't you know, he's doing the parental manipulation thing. He's guilting you into going to do something that he knows we don't want to do. It's just his happy place. So he can't understand how other people aren't happy doing the same things. I'm like, yeah, but you know, it's we're family and we have to do things that makes other people other in the family happy just right. because I was miserable the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> like the the cars are cool to see, but it was a lot of the same types of cars and it was just all retired age white dudes peeling out and revving their engines. It was deafening The fumes were horrible. The smell of burning rubber was everywhere. And Lake George in and of itself is like a poor man's Myrtle Beach. I I just didn't have a shred of fun until we got all hoity-toity and went to Saratoga Springs.
2: (laughs) (laughs) No, don't, don't get me wrong. I mean... It's something that I feel like, okay, we did once. We crossed it off the bucket list. But it isn't like I'm – because it was funny. When we were pulling up, like, Jalen was like, man, all these campers here, you know, like RVs and stuff. And so I'll try to make reference to college football. I'm like, well, even Buffalo Bill football. I'm like, well, Jalen, you know in football games they got RVs and they're there all week tailgating, drinking and partying all week into the game, right? And he's like, Yeah, I, I see it, but man, for race car, I'm like, Yeah, man, it's the same thing, bro. So <laughs> he was quite surprised too. You know what I'm saying? So um, don't get me wrong though. I mean, I I guess because I study sport management, I guess it's like I like looking. My wife and I like look at the operations of things, and right? So we like we look at it from a different standpoint than the actual race. The actual race, no, I, I can't. Yeah, after the, after when they once they started and then they went around like two or three times, I'm like, okay, I will start looking at my phone, like, yeah, like <laughs> you know what I'm saying. So the actual race really wasn't that fun. And like I said, I guess because we had VIP and all access, maybe that made it better. But just to sit there and watch a race, no, I wouldn't do that. So. But my wife really enjoyed it, so if she wants to go back, it's like absolutely nothing else to do, meaning no Notre Dame, no Buffalo Bills, no Wizards, no baseball, no nothing to do, then I'll go. But, yeah.
1: (laughs) I want to let the listeners know that what we have coming up in this show is we're going to talk about the Bills' first preseason game, and let me tell you, it was like – A beam came down from the heavens the moment that I turned the game on and began watching. I just felt warm inside that football is back. And we're also going to talk about Football Hall of Fame controversy this week. So, Newt, the man who came up with the idea to talk about these things, what do you want to discuss first?
2: Well, first of all, it was good to see us get a win, 27-24 over the Colts this weekend. Um, That took our winning streak to nine games. And we're chasing the Baltimore Ravens, who has an incredible 21 game preseason game winning streak. Right. And so we always the last two years, we've been on two years now. We always talked about preseason and whether it doesn't matter whether you win or lose. And and really it doesn't. I mean, no. if we would have wind up losing, I mean, whatever. I mean it's cool to kind of have a streak. I mean it's something to talk about. Uh, with the pundits, but, I mean, we would have lost whatever. Because the way I look at it is, and this, this is why all of us, we I'm sure everybody listening watched the game or not heard about it or read about it, but the fact that they came out with their starting units on offense and defense, I mean, I think the only person that didn't play with them was Jonathan Taylor, right, right. the running back. But everybody else was out there, you know what I'm saying? So. The fact that they couldn't dominate us with their first units and our backup really lends to the fact of how good Brandon Bean has constructed this team. And once again, if we went up there with our backups offensively and defensively for an extended period of time, yeah, we'll probably be a, a 500 team. And so mm-hmm. it's funny I was listening to Howard and Jeremy yesterday, and they brought up they were discussing the wonderful topic that I wanted to run by you. And they was like, "How good do you think our backups are?" And so Howard and Jeremy was debating if Josh Allen, if we had it, because we all know that the quarterback position is the most important position. You're really right. you good as your quarterback goes, most more, more times than not. Um, and with jo- Josh Allen, we're Super Bowl favorites. So I'm gonna hit you with a quick hitter. What do you think we would be if
1: we didn't have Josh Allen this year? Without Josh Allen. Yeah. Now, we've seen this in the past. Yeah. When Tyrod was the quarterback, the Bills had a tremendous roster. They had a number one defense. But Tyrod couldn't quite get it done, and the Bills hovered around 500. Right. Right. They, they won like nine games when they made the playoffs. I think that's where they would end up again if if they if you had a replacement level QB in there, say case keenum, they could only go so far they'd win eight or nine games they'd be nine nine and eight or eight
2: and nine okay, and I think about the same i think we we'd probably be nine and eight ten and seven
1: all right because they have a talented roster we it's do. it's a very talented roster top to we, bottom we do I agree so, so I let think we about ask you a question. Okay. What if you put Josh Allen on the Jets? What would the Jets do? Ooh, that's a good one. Because what did they win? Four games last year? Yeah, something like that. And you see that quarterback got hurt too. You see that? Yeah, I felt terrible for the guy. Luckily, it's not as bad as it could have been. It's a Zach uh, Wilson tore his meniscus Mm -hmm. and has a slight bone fracture, but everybody thought it was an ACL. This injury, he's going to be out like four weeks as opposed to an entire year. So, right. you know, I'm I, i I'm happy for him in that right. sense. You just you don't want to see that happen.
2: You don't – yeah. I feel like we're going to dominate them anyway, so I don't wish, you know, anyone's demise or downfall at all. So I hope him to have a speedy recovery. Um, I think if they won four games last year, I think Josh Allen could – Josh Allen could probably get them maybe four more wins off his talent. So I think they would be hovering around 500. Probably a little less.
1: A little less. Yeah. Okay. I haven't really given this any thought myself. How
2: are you going to ask me a question you didn't even give it no thought?
1: Well. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> I'm just playing. I'm joking. Their offensive line isn't great. Uh, they, they've got some decent players at skill positions you know they drafted Brees Hall and you know they've got Corey Davis and they drafted Garrett Wilson Elijah Moore is a good receiver you know I think they could be I think they could be decent I I think same as you they I I think Josh Allen could add five wins to that team easy
2: right so they'll be hovering around 500 just like we would we would be without Josh Allen
1: yeah yeah so yeah I think I, I think so yeah you know, I, I guess you have to look out because if Zach Wilson develops, then you could be looking at a formidable team, right? Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. I can see that. Yeah. Well, I mean that's that's the entire game, right? It's it's your QB. For the most part. Yeah.
2: Yeah. You can win a Super Bowl if your if your schedule if your schedule breaks right Things happen if you got a stellar defense. Things can break the right way, you know. So, like I said, with this year, like if we would have played Kansas City a week later, we would have whooped them. You know what I'm saying? And and (laughs) once again, I'm not sour grapes, but I'm just telling the truth. Like when you catch people is important, you know. So how your schedule falls is just as important as your talent. So sometimes you get the breaks, and sometimes you don't.
1: Well, it's it's true. Even the best of teams go through slumps during the season. KC started the season in a slump last year. When when the Bills played them, they were not the same KC that the Bills saw in the playoffs. Exactly. And simultaneously, the Bills went through a four game skid where they lost to Jacksonville. And you can say with an incredible amount of certainty that the playoff bills were a lot better than the team that lost to the Jags. I agree. 100%. It happens. There's yeah. ebbs and flows. And Cincinnati, like, they were at their best in the playoffs. Right. They really didn't impress anybody during the regular season, but they peaked at the right time. Right. I totally agree. Yeah, It happens. Yeah. So
2: going back to the game, though, I mean, with the Colts, it's, the takeaways that I have is the things that, I mean, it's like what can you bank on? Like what will transfer over to the regular season? And And probably the first thing that – well, I'm not going to say the first thing, because obviously the punt god is the first thing.
1: Well, I, yeah. He'll, I, I want to just star.
2: watch him punt, bro. I'm like, punt on second down. I don't care. <laughs> That's very Lou Holtz of you. <laughs> <laughs> punt on second down. I want to see. The... It was absolutely. And I i don't mean to jump around. I'm just like, so excited. But No, it's good. 80-yard punts, dude. I know. <laughs> 80 freaking yards. Man, to see the return man backpedal like he did, man, is it's so amazing. And, and, and I like the way we did it. I like the way we, uh, you know, we had a short punt. We want to, you know, pin him down, you know, in in the uh, red zone, okay, bring your boy in. I mean, that's fine.
1: But, oh, my God. Oh, really? Yeah, it was Pat McAfee who said – Dude slaughtered that football. And people are trying to poke holes in it. It didn't have great hang time. It went for a touchback. McAfee was like, shut up. Yeah. Who cares? Right. And then I saw a statistic. The worst starting field position last year, I believe, was the Jaguars. And their starting field position was the 25.7-yard line. So if, if Ariza puts... Every single punt into the end zone, yes, that would give the opponents the worst average starting position in the NFL,
2: yeah. And and <laughs> and, and that's the thing, I don't care, like if he can't place the ball, I don't care. Just put, and I'm sure, and I'm sure coach would say that if he we get touchbacks every time, that'll be outstanding, no matter. And just think it's no matter where you are on the field. You could be in the shadows of your own goalposts, and we're going to flip the field, and they're going to get the ball <laughs> in the 20, 25-yard line. Like, that would be outstanding, bro. Like, yep. if he's going to do that, keep two punters. If you if he's going to do that, all right, so if we if we're on the 50-yard line, then bring Hack in and, you know, have him pinning down. But if we're on our side of the field in the shadows of our goalposts, man – not you a reason, imagine man. just punt, just punt it out the back of the end zone, can bro? Can you imagine
1: having a roster with two active punters on Sunday? I'll do
2: it. <laughs> I'll
1: do it. <laughs> this isn't we, a football roster where you have a hundred people on dude, the team.
2: I mean, I'm sorry, man. Somebody gonna have to go, man. If it's Duke Johnson, or some, I mean, a, a receiver, <laughs> a lineman. I don't care, man. Because <laughs> I feel like that's a weapon, man. That is a weapon. you got to be able to use it. And and the thing about it is you don't know when you're going to have to use it, but we saw it, we saw it Saturday.
1: We so, saw it Saturday
2: at 4 o'clock.
1: I want everybody to know that you can tweet us and definitely tweet Big Newt at Big underscore Newt on Twitter and let him know what you think about two active punters on the roster.
2: <laughs> two active punters, bro. <laughs> That'll be a weapon, man. You know Field what? You, position, you may man. be a savant.
1: You may be ahead of your time. I hey, mean, or or f- I might just be going
2: off one preseason game. That might just be crazy because I <laughs> see my 20 Buffalo 20
1: years ago, <laughs> nobody would have thought that the RPO would be part of the NFL game. And somebody was sitting there saying, just try it, man. <laughs> <laughs> and next thing you know, the whole league is doing it.
2: <laughs> exactly. And so, uh, yeah, so we could use that as a weapon. So I'm all for. It. But, um, yeah. Besides that, though, like I said earlier, we we went against our, uh their first team, pretty much offense and defense. Um, is some things that I liked. Um, uh, the fact that the next, well, I'm gonna say the first thing, but the next thing is probably Zach Moss. He looked very sprightly out there. And so, what they were saying post game is that. Last year, the Zach Moss was coming off that injury. I think it was an ankle injury, so he yep. never got right. You know what I'm saying? But right. Man, he looked right this week. I mean, three carries, 37, almost 40 yards, 12 yards a carry. He bust that 30-yard run, man. He looked wonderful. To a degree,
1: I understand why teams don't talk about injuries. You know, it's they consider it a competitive advantage, When a player is suffering all season and their play drops precipitously as a result, why not just say he's still, he's okay to play, but he's still not back to where he was before the injury. He's still working through it. It's going to take time. Like why don't they say that instead the dude gets all kinds of criticism. He loses his confidence. He loses playing time. Maybe behind closed doors, they're like, dude, we know you're not right. And we're not holding this against you. But to fans, I would love to hear them talk about that more frequently.
2: Yeah, I think they don't do that because it makes it seem like you're making excuses.
1: Yeah, that's true.
2: And they'd rather rather just not touch it. Um, You know, and and you could just tell, you know, McDermott is very calculated in the things he say. Yes. Um, You know, so... And I now with injuries,
1: they're talking about general soreness and keeping people out. And it's like, right. oh, come on. <laughs> I mean, I, I know you're going to be generally sore when, you know, which is why they jump in the ice baths and everything else. But come on, general soreness. I, I don't think that should be allowed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I like Duke
2: Johnson in the return game. How
1: would yeah, you feel he, about Raheem Blackshear in the return game?
2: He did good. Yeah. He did good. Two, two, uh, two returns for thirty some yards. Uh, Duke Johnson, two returns for almost sixty yards. He busted a forty three yard way. He looked pretty fast on that. You did. Um. So I do like that, but I, I just, once again, we got a couple more preseason games. I don't want to get judgment, but it, with the way Moss, we just got to talk about Moss because now it, James Cook is going to be there. Even though, you know, he didn't really do anything this game that stood out, whatever. Fine. He's a rookie. He's young. (sighs) Singletary and Moss. The way, if Moss keep doing what he's doing, and once again, this is against first team type defenses. It ain't like, see, I could do apples to apples with this, right? Mm -hmm. That was their first team defense and he ran well. Average 12 yards a carry. So if he keeps this up, you can't, you can't not give him a jersey on game They Can't? I mean,
1: oh, he's today. he's got to be active, but he also needs to tr- <clears throat> needs to figure out how to play special teams. and And I feel that way about Singletary too. Those two guys are not good enough as running backs to not contribute on teams. Mm-hmm. That's right. They, yeah. they are good enough to start on a team that doesn't have a lot of depth at running back. They are not good enough to start. On a team that has an Ezekiel Elliott, and Ezekiel Elliott's backups play special teams, right? Yeah, I mean, so I think I think
2: we weren't expecting this, and so I I just think as of right now, it will be Moss, Singletary, and then James Cook. One, that, two, three. Yeah,
1: I would think so, and so, I think all three would be active on Sundays. All
2: three going to be active. You know, so that's something I didn't expect. Or
1: do you think we might trade one of them? No, no. Sing this is Singletary's last year under contract, and he played really well, especially at the end of last year. So right. you you want to keep the continuity there. So do you think you
2: okay? So do you think Duke Johnson will make the team? then? I mean, I know we gave our predictions last week, but now I, I think it's fluid. It so is to see things unfolded. Do you think we would keep him around for return game purposes?
1: No. Um, you know, the only way they keep him around is if they either cut Taiwan Jones or if they find somebody expendable at a different position. So Duke Johnson, he's not competing against the other running backs. He's competing against people that are depth at other positions. So he's competing against the number 48 through 53 on the roster. So if the Bills feel like there isn't enough depth at corner or at linebacker or even at one of, one of the offensive line positions, then he might be able to make it, but he's not going to make it over another running back. Okay. So... Yeah, are the Bills going to go with only two tight ends? Then maybe Duke Johnson finds his way to, to the roster. The Bills go with three tight ends, and now it's iffy. Right.
2: All right, that's something to keep an eye on. For um, sure.
1: How did you feel about the rookie corners? They played outstanding. Kyer Elam and Christian Benford. Now, it's interesting because early in the game, Elam made it an excellent play on, on a slant on third down. Third down, yep. And later on, he had a, another excellent play on, on third where he almost got his hand on the ball. It looked like he may have actually touched the ball, but still it was a reception for four yards, well short of the sticks. Now, I read an article by Joe Buscaglia from The Athletic, and Joe's the best. Mm-hmm. And he said that he kept an eye on... Elam the entire game and said he started out well, but it started to unravel for him over the course of the game. He didn't necessarily give up receptions, but he was having a hard time keeping up with players. He was biting on moves. He was getting grabby. Seems like he... There's things he needs to learn still, but Mm -hmm. what I liked was the long speed. There was a play down the the top sideline and he he really ran well, about 30 yards downfield and was in the hip pocket of of the receiver the entire time. And that tells me that he just needs some experience. What do you think about that? You, you got a guy who made some good plays, but also, you know, somebody who knows more than I do is saying he got burned a handful of times. You've seen people develop more closely than I have. Yes.
2: I think it's one of those situations where less is more. Explain. And so what I mean by that is sometimes, and and I'm going to tell you what, I'm going to make a parallel. Once again, I love talking about my daughter who right now holds seven division one offers. So if you have not been- Wait, wait, wait,
1: wait, 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 wait. She's (laughs) in what grade? She's a rising sophomore. She's- okay she's coming in as a sophomore. she currently has seven Division one offers.
2: Yeah follow you, you gotta follow her on Twitter. She posted it all on Twitter. We this last month we had visited uh, Mammoth. we visited. We're going to Navy next Monday before school start. Um, we got Longwood. we did Georgetown um, got a photo shoot at Georgetown. So follow uh, Simone on Twitter it's Simone.newton. And uh, yeah, so we've been doing those the last couple weeks since AAU ended. So, oh my god, um, she got seven division one offers, so they're they're starting to come in. So.
1: And, and you know what? You know, I, let let me just sidebar for a moment. She's such a sweet kid, too. Thanks, man. It I makes me it. so happy that this is happening for her, especially what? after that injury she had right. when she got knocked silly. <laughs> right.
2: And I think, and that, that one thing about the recruiting process, not to get too far off track, but I into here. A lot of because a lot of people have been calling me like, what what are you doing? Like, how did she get this? Like, how did she blow up like this? And I think a lot of times of it, it is the kid. It ain't just talent. It, a lot of times it's the parent, the family, and it's the kid. And Because I tell you, I'd say two or three of the offers that came over the phone when they called us, I don't think they expected the offer. But after talking to her and talking to us, Zoom, Zoom calls and that, I think that's when they pulled the trick. So oh. people think it's just all talent. No, it's not all talent. You're recruiting the family and you're recruiting the kid off the court. And so you know Samo. Simone. Samo's not shot. You, you've been around my kids enough. My kids aren't shy. They're not the kids that are going to hide in the corners. They're going to crack jokes. They're going to be funny. They're going to be engaging. They she's taught, very gregarious. You know, and so and, and it's funny because Samo has friends who – she has one friend that came. We we at the practice. We went to McDonald's and she. I was like, "Tell them what you want." And she was like, "No, I can't. I can't tell them what to like. Simone, tell them I want a double cheeseburger." And I'm like, "Are you freaking kid You can't talk to that person and order your food?" And I'm like, "It's real, dude. You know what I'm saying?" And I, like, I, that just blew my mind. And so I've talked to coaches, and it's like they love the kid. And that's why they – I think that's why they, they see a maturity there, and that's why they pulled the trigger so early because she just turned 15. Wow. So, yeah. So now, that's part of – But we, I bring We it off
1: the subject, though.
2: Yes. But I bring that up to say um, that with Simone, less is more. And I think that's how it is with our rookies. Like if Simone, Simone on her AAU team, she played 16U, and she played maybe 10 minutes a game. But that's still enough. For recruiters to see the potential. Now, she was playing 25 minutes a game, and you've seen her tired. You've seen her it, more bad plays will probably add up to where you probably won't like her as much. And, and that's being honest.
1: Sage's you know, projection.
2: Yes, it's more projection, it's more potential. And so now we get to our rookies, Kyler Elo. He started off on fire, right? But as the game goes on, all right. Maybe he getting a little tired. Maybe he starts reverting back to old old uh you know bad uh traits and stuff. Yeah, like bad, bad habits. Right. So the more you see him, the more bad plays. See, you people think, oh, the more I play, the more plays I'm gonna be able to make. No, <laughs> a lot of times is the more you out there against elite talent, the worse you're gonna look.
1: And he played fifty three percent of the snaps, which is nothing to <clears throat> sneeze at in, in a preseason game. Right.
2: And so now you gotta realize Elon was not a top five pick. It was other corners that went before him, and that's probably the reason why. And once again, I'm not dumping on him. It's just I, I could see with him, it's it's gonna take a little time. He's not a plug and play to where it's gonna be great and all pro right off the bat, and that's okay. It might take a little while. So if he only if he played fifty some percent of the snaps, so maybe he was only really should have played 20 or 25% of the snaps, and maybe he would have looked better. Mm. And you got to realize if Tredavious White played, if Dane Jackson played, Teron Johnson played, then he would be in that role. You see what I'm saying? Yes. So we got to just pump our brakes and be patient and let him develop. So I'm sorry to give a long story, but you, you that's how I expound on it, you know?
1: Yeah, it, it makes sense. Now, the way he tested in the combine, and this is really what showed up to me, is he had really good long speed he didn't have incredible short area quickness and that i think is what led to the criticism of him in his final year of college and so far here in bill's training camp is that he gets grabby you know mm-hmm. when when somebody gets a step on him his instinct is to grab a hold of that player i wanted to talk to you specifically about that now mm-hmm. i understand that's that's why it happens. It becomes instinctual for him to reach out and grab. Other players end up in the same situation they don't grab. Why do some people have a specific bad habit like that one that they struggle to break on the field?
2: <laughs> I, I just feel like it's like any habit, right? I mean, when, when things hit the fan, you're going to revert back to what you really are. Uh, All right, and they just, they told you that like you read it. They told you, "Hey, man, we saw this dude on film. When he gets in trouble, he got the grabbies." So <laughs> for him, for you to see it, they're only he's only doing and reverting back to what he really is. And once again, it's going to take time and experience for him to break that habit.
1: Oh, okay, you so so I'm imagining it's like the lineman that naturally doesn't have a lot of bend and has to really think about sinking, you know, dropping his butt, bending his knees. And then as the game goes on and he gets tired, he's going to start standing straight he's up a lot more, right?
2: Up. Right. I'm dealing yeah. that. I'm dealing with that with uh, Jalen in football, man. We're going to give him the ball. I keep telling him, man, you got to stay low. Stay low, man. When you get contact, you got to drive your feet, stay low. All right? But as the right. big fella gets tired, he's standing up. Yeah. <laughs> he's running high. You know what I'm saying? So... I think you're right. The longer the things play on, the bad habits come. So you just got to string together good plays and good habits to where those bad habits go away eventually. But for some people, it takes time. It's not going to be today.
1: Big Jalen doing a bunch of wall squats, strengthening those thighs, right? (laughs) He got to stay low, man. Yeah. Got to stay low. Low man wins. Drop that butt, buddy. Yep.
2: Drop that butt.
1: And I I did want to mention Christian Benford out there because to me, he did not look like a rookie. He looked smooth. He looked strong. There was at least one play uh, when he was going up against the starters, and I think it was Pittman. Pittman tried to give him a shove when the Bills were playing quite a bit of press coverage in that game, which is interesting because not something that they typically do. Pittman of the Colts tried to give Benford the shove out of the way. He put everything he had into it and he couldn't get Benford off of him. And I thought, this is great. This is a strong dude out there. Honestly, I, I can see him starting in the future. He just he has that that calmness about him. Yeah.
2: I can see it, man. He played well. Um, you know, he's a smart kid with the Villanova, yep. so he's not a dummy, and he? he's acclimated very well. So, and what makes it good is now that it makes Elam to where not only sets the ball for him, like okay, we got two guys that's young that's kind of competing with each other, but it also if it has to give Elam more time and play less plays, that's going to help in his development too, right? You know, right. Uh, One thing that I did enjoy watching, I mean, once again, it's the first team, man. Tim Settle was working, was working my man, uh, Quentin Nelson. Yeah, he only played 15%
1: of the snaps, but my God, did you see him when he was on the field?
2: Yeah, and that's what I'm trying to say. Like, those are the things. Like, okay, what is is our defense going to look like versus their first offense? And I love the way he worked. Quentin Nelson, Notre Dame alum, that's my guy. Mm-hmm. Um, also Boogie Basher, man, <laughs> with the strip sack. You looked quicker on the edge, didn't he? Yeah, man, he looked good, man. Once again, I don't, I mean, I don't want to get too happy, but those are things I
1: could see transferring over. Balin Spector yeah. may have made a case for himself making the team. That dude at making middle a linebacker team. making a everywhere. team everywhere, yes. I thought you was gonna say Tremaine Edmonds
2: could walk, and we could stick Specter in this position. <laughs> <laughs> no man, he looked no. look good, man. He looked good, bro. I, I yeah, I, I think he Yeah,
1: he's gonna make the team. The um the other thing, watching a little bit of the the tape afterwards, he didn't get his name called very often. But you know who played incredibly physically out there it was Joe Giles Harris at outside huh? linebacker. He, yeah, he was did. hitting some dudes and taking on some blocks to let Specter roam free. It was, I, I think, he played within the defense very, very well and strong out there. Yeah, the, he the played- kind of guy that. I think you you could definitely use on special teams. Uh, I'm sorry, I interrupted. You were going to say?
2: No, no, no. I was just going to include, yeah, he had six tackles, five solos. So, yeah, he made one tackle for loss. He made plays out there. I feel like he jumped out along with Spectre. They both kind of jumped off the field.
1: Mm-hmm. And Markel Lee made a play and then got cut today. And I was going to
2: say that Tim Harris <laughs> and Markel Lee, RIP, man. for Sal Capaccio, they both got cut as of this recording, like about an hour or two ago.
1: Same with Elijah Griffin. So uh the, the regulator will not mount up.
2: Nope, but he got picked up by the Giants, so maybe he'll get a record deal in New York.
1: Well, <laughs> I, I I hope he can stay in the NFL. I, I hope he can stick around. What what you want is to have such a deep team that when you cut people, other teams are interested, but they don't become stars. Yeah. You don't want that. I, I know you don't want that.
2: Make the team, but don't don't cause too much, you know, ruckus. Right. Is there anything that you did not like? We kinda oh, oh also Isaiah Hodges, nine catches, seventy-seven yards.
1: He looked good. Uh yeah. Khalil Shakir looked good out there. Yes. What I didn't like was when the Bills started subbing on the offensive line. Uh their offensive tackles seemed to spend a lot of time chasing the guys that they were supposed to be blocking. Yeah. <laughs> when when your offensive tackle is running behind the guy he's supposed to block, it's gone dreadfully wrong, and there was an awful lot of that. So Ooh, you, you talk about Bobby Hart. Uh Bobby Hart played guard most of the game. It was Luke Tenuta, and there's another guy whose name that's escaping me right now. Uh played most of the second half and it, it was sort of atrocious. Anderson uh, yeah, that was it. Yeah. And exactly. uh they, they need to see more out of Case Keenum.
2: That's that was I know I know we got to start wrapping it up, but I, what do you think about Case Keenum because I know a lot of people saying, "Man, Matt Barkley did enough to be the backup. Case Keenum should have to supplant him."
1: Well, I I think Matt Barkley knows the offense very well. Keenum is just learning the offense, but Keenum has proven that he can be a five hundred quarterback in the NFL. He's started thirty six games in his career. Ooh. Overall, he's just a better QB than Barkley. Even though he didn't necessarily look it in the first preseason game, my money is still on Keenum. I, he just he has the experience. He has shown what he can do, and and the Bills traded for him. You know, so they they gave up something to get him. I don't think you walk away from that. I, I think Barkley makes makes the practice squad because they love him. But yeah, no, it's Keen, Keenum has three more games to prove himself. If he looks horrific in all three games, maybe you talk about it, but not not after the first one.
2: Well, yeah, he, he had two interceptions. One was a high pass that bounced off the uh James Crowder's the, hands. Crowder's hands. So and like you said, he looked the way he looked because he had the backup line going against Indianapolis's first team defense. So you got to keep it in perspective in that point of view too. So
1: Yeah, that's a good point. Barkley came in when it was more evenly matched. Right. I mean, that
2: last drive was against threes, you know what I'm saying? But he did his thing. He pulled it out. So um we get, we'll keep an eye on it in the next couple of preseason games. I mean, I, I think we us as a fan base, Bills Mafia are gonna look at Matt Barkley favorable because it's like he's one of us. Mm, so yeah. it's like you know what I'm saying? Like you feel like he's a Buffalo Bill. So it's like you want to see him get every opportunity. Um uh-huh. I wouldn't mind to see Matt Barkley start a game though.
1: To take okay. the truth. Maybe the fourth game.
2: Maybe. I want to see him I want to see him start. So let's keep an eye on that. Um your boy Jake Kumaro, he had a bad fumble. He had and a case he sure of did. Drop-piece.
1: and a drop. Yeah. So I but don't know. he's you know he's there to play special teams. Yeah. yeah, I'm not. I'm not worried about him as a receiver. If if he's seeing the field on game day, it's because something went wrong.
2: Okay. Right. <laughs> Next preseason game is going to be uh, Saturday, I think, or Saturday one o'clock.
1: Is that it? I okay. think so.
2: And it's going to be on TV. I love the fact that they're showing us live versus. Other teams, you got to wait two days to see the replay once you already know what happened, So that feels good. (laughs) Um, But yeah, real quick, let's get on to the Hall of Fame debate.
1: Yes, let's talk about the Hall of Fame. And tell me why you brought it up. Okay, so
2: this week what's trending is Deion Sanders came out and publicly kind of criticized uh, how he feels like just anyone is getting to the Hall of Fame. And this has been like an ongoing debate. And some people say this is not the Hall of Fame, it's just the Hall of Goods.
1: Mm-hmm. And
2: so Dion came out um, this weekend and said that, well, if you give it gold jackets, then my jacket should be platinum. <laughs> and so now that's first the debate. What do you think? Do you think too many people get into the Hall of
1: Fame? I have felt that way for a long time in in all sports. <laughs> And I wonder if part of the reason I think about that is players who you didn't get to see play, there was a mystique about them. Because when we were younger, you didn't get much sport on television. Instead, you were reading about them and it was there's this air of distance between you and them. And now we become far more familiar with players and we see the flaws in them because you know you can watch anything on YouTube with all the TV coverage that you have. And I wonder if that sort of plays into the fact that players don't have this legendary mystique about them. Now, looking at the psychology, that's what I think it might be. But my short answer is, yes, I think too many people get into the Hall of Fame and I know that Bruce Smith made some comments about Tony Baselli, which he did not need to make, mind you. He went out of his way to say that Tony Baselli didn't deserve to be in the Hall of Fame, but
2: he did that because people his his supporters were saying in 1996 um, when Jacksonville beat us in the wild card that he handled Bruce Smith, and that that inevitably is what got him in. Right. (laughs) So I think that's the reason why Bruce had to speak on it, because it was his name. Like, basically, you're getting in off of Bruce Smith's name. Yes. You know, so I don't don't think it
1: was just some beep between them. Was a reason for that. Right. So Buscelli went to five straight Pro Bowls. He was a first-team All-Pro three consecutive seasons. He was on the NFL's All-Decade team in the 1990s, but he only played seven seasons total. Because he had a lot of injuries, great player, deserving of the Hall of Fame. Bruce yes. Smith doesn't seem to think so.
2: I think so, and and so real quickly. I I think differently than you. I think that the people who get voted in should be there. I just think because I, I went to the Hall of Fame game twice. Um, when Joe and when the New Orleans Saints played back in ninety four, ninety five, I drove up there and got to go, and then I went. Uh, when we first got Terrell Owens, when we played in the Hall of Fame, mm-hmm. um, that was a great experience. I just think my opinion, if it was up to me, if it was Newt's world, I would have everyone who makes the Hall of Fame make it. But then I think it should be an exclusive club. Like maybe on the second floor, you have the best <laughs> and best. And I agree. Deion, if, if you're giving out gold jackets, then Deion Sanders should have a platinum jacket because and he's so the press all time. Bruce Smith should have a platinum. There's certain guys that should have platinum jackets.
1: Okay, well, I got a name that I think doesn't deserve to be in. Head coach Tom Flores. A career winning percentage of 538. He's a 105 in 90. You are barely above 50% and you're in the Hall of Fame? Get the hell out of here.
2: Tom Flores. Yeah. Does he does he have a Super Bowl?
1: uh yes,
2: he won, he won one. he won one Super Bowl and then that's the reason and it's kind of like Dick Vermeer because people was questioning Dick Vermeil. he has like almost a 500 yet worker, but he has one he's at a Super Bowl and he coached one of the best offices in NFL history. That's why he's in. So it ain't just about winning. it kind of goes back to what we said about recruiting. It ain't just about winning and how good you are as other things evolve too. Yeah. So if yeah. you're only simply looking at it in a vacuum and winning, yeah, I can see why you feel that way. But it's more than that. <laughs> every, I, I would, I, I don't know. I'm giving you a hot take where I'm not ed- educated about right now. I'm just thinking. I would imagine that every coach that won a Super Bowl is in the Hall of Fame, right?
1: Mm, I don't think so. Uh, Jim well, Fossil's not.
2: Well, we'd have to go back and look. I would imagine that most of them are. If you – usually the template is if you win the Super Bowl, usually you got the quarterback, maybe a lineman or two, maybe a defensive guy, and your coach or GM is probably in there and along with your own,
1: especially if you have maybe two. <laughs> if if, if it's multiple, you're probably in there. Yeah. But now, um, yeah, I'm thinking of a, a few off the top of my head that, that aren't in there. Okay. But uh, there, there's not many because, you know, the, the coaches end up with that, with that mystique about them too – so if Sean McDermott wins uh, w- wins a Super Bowl, we can anticipate he will be in the Hall of Fame.
2: Yep. with Brandon Bean will probably make it,
1: along with Josh Allen. Yeah, that's probably <laughs> true. If they and if Von
2: Miller is going to be a Hall of Famer, we know that. We know that. Trey White <laughs> could
1: make a case. Yep. Yeah.
2: You see what I'm saying? So, yeah. Speaking of which, did you see the uh, top 100? Von Miller was like in the 90s.
1: As they That's
2: well, like the top 50 already.
1: Right. I haven't been paying attention. I know that there's a debate about where Mac Jones ended up. but Yes. Uh, you know, <laughs> this is why you can't have players voting on this stuff because they don't spend the time looking at any player that is not on their schedule <laughs> for well, the well, season.
2: And this is a take, and this might sound ignorant, but I'm going to say it. This is a take that no one has even said yet. I think Mac Jones made it because half the daggum NFL comes from Alabama.
1: You know, <laughs> I, I never thought of it that way, but yeah, he's
2: got a lot of teammates voting for him. He got a lot of people from Bama that makes up the in half the NFL's from Alabama. So just imagine if all his people that went to Alabama vote for him. He's going to get in. You're
1: right. Yeah. Oh, my God. I never thought of it that way. You
2: are 100% correct. And no one has said that. But that's the first thing that came to my mind when I saw it. I was like, no way in hell Mac Jones is a top 100 player in this league. Man, I oh, thought you were well. going to say
1: something far more divisive than that.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Half the, half the daggum leagues from Bama, they all voted for him. All his boys voted for
1: him. Yeah. Yes. Why, why has nobody else thought of this? You are so right. You're smart, dude.
2: Man, no, I'm not. I just get lucky sometimes.
1: Well, man, <laughs> I've had fun talking to you in this podcast. And I know I'm going to have fun talking to you next week, too. Because... I love
2: I love being back on here on a weekly basis talking football, man. It's so fun. Real quick, man, rest in peace to Michael Hitman. I don't know if you heard, but this weekend in a youth football game, he was shot and killed. Um, oh my God! By and the, and the dude that did it turned himself in this morning. He is the brother of a famous football player. I'm not gonna say his name because I I don't like the fact that everybody's plastering. Oh, such and such brother killed somebody. Like that isn't him. So I, you can look it up. It's trending, but um, it's sad, sad man. As as youth football, we got our first game next week. Um, just everybody calm down, man. It's just sports. We all want to win, but it's all about the kids and. For this man to lose his life in front of not only all the uh, young people out there, but in front of his son, um, it's very sad. So, rest in peace, Michael Hitman, man. So, until next week, hey, hey, hey.